0: Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Always very helpful to have people willing to uh, jump in and help out. Travis covered Sunday school this morning. One of our Sunday school teachers was out. Travis is covering junior church as well. So I told him I said. So if you would, take your Bibles and we'll turn in our Bibles to Colossians chapter one. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter one today. There we go. If you missed Sunday school, I thought I'd have a little bit of fun and do a sword drill between the youngers and the elders, we'll say. That's a safe way of putting it. Uh, elders, your, uh, your crown is still in place. You beat the young people, so uh, I'm gonna have them do a little more practice, and maybe next time it'll be a little different, but it'll be fun. So Colossians chapter one, and by way of introduction, let's well, uh, think about this past week. Somebody raise your hand and tell me, it's a very challenging question. What holiday did we celebrate this past week? Easter, Easter thank you, yes. <laughs> Usher's take care of that one right there, okay. No. no, we celebrated Thanksgiving. I think Sharon knew that, she was just playing with me a little bit. Um, we celebrated Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is a day that we are set aside to, to do what with? Be thankful. Thank you for not saying prepare for Black Friday, okay? Uh, but that's you know number two right there. So it's a day that we're supposed to set aside to be thankful, to reflect on the past year, to look back and say, you know, Lord, I remember I had this problem, this illness, this relative needed X, Y, and Z, and Lord, you saw us through it. You know, we could go back. I think it'd be a good project to go through our uh, our email prayer list and say, you know, check off how they were answered. You know, whether it was a, a positive or you know perhaps it was a negative, but to go through and see that it was answered nonetheless. So. It's a time that we look back and we're thankful for all that God has done for us. And as we do that, though, it can be set aside. I don't know about you, but it was a little stressful. Uh, You know, you have uh, some family coming in, uh, present company excluded, of course. You have family coming in, you know, things don't always work out well with the oven. Ingredients that are crucial may go missing in meal preparation. You know, animals that are normally loving and affectionate are loving and affectionate in your way, you know, so. There's a lot of things that can, can uh, work against us as we try to keep our minds on what we're supposed to be thankful for. You know, cleaning the house, getting the food ready, cleaning the house, keeping the animals out of the food, cleaning the house. I think I've had to mention that a couple times. But those are things that can be distracting and uh, diminish what is supposed to be a very, you know, the build up to a very good day uh, full of thankfulness. It feels like the contemplation of thanksg- thankfulness should be the theme of Thanksgiving But it often seems like it's quickly set aside, right? I mentioned Black Friday, uh, which I'm I'm glad a lot of retailers are staying closed on Thanksgiving. You know, it's those people that work there, I'm sure they enjoy being home with their families or just having a day of peace in the midst of, you know, the Christmas holiday season rush. So, um, but you know, there's a lot of things that are out there to discourage us, uh, to get us off our track of thinking about being thankful. This morning, I'd like to take a a minute and stop and think about three great blessings that God has given us that we can be thankful for. And all three of those are found in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Title of the message today is Even the Forgiveness of Sin. So let's take a moment. We'll bow our head and pray and ask God for wisdom uh, and help us to learn from this. Father, we thank you for today. We pray that your word would not return unto you void. Uh, that all the hearers would receive the part that they need from it, that you'd speak to uh, those that are saved, that you'd be an encouragement uh, to us, that you'd help us to be thankful uh, for all that you do for us each day, uh, beginning with our salvation and and working through with uh, growing and maturity for us. Father, if there be one here that hasn't hasn't asked you to be their Savior, they haven't uh, seen their need for forgiveness and uh, reached out to you and asked you to forgive their sins, I pray that first and foremost, uh, you would work on their hearts today, that you would show them that you're a loving, caring father and you want them to spend eternity in heaven uh, with them by repenting, by asking Jesus, your son, to forgive their sins. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today and help us to be able to say we had a great day in the house of the Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So beginning uh, with number one, give thanks to God for fellowship. Now this time of year, you have to actively try hard to avoid fellowship, right? As Adam was going through the calendar, we're thinking that's a lot of activities for not a lot of days. So, you know, it's very easy to be part of fellowship and specifically be thankful to God for Christian fellowship, right? You've all likely been to work parties or other parties like that. And there's a lot of party, but there's not a lot of God present. So it's very good when you have Christian fellowship that you can be part of. And we'll take a look at the Bible here as soon as I get there, I'm in Corinthians. It's a good book, but not the right one. Um, But the Bible says in verses one through six, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God, there's that word, thanks to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the world of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Paul has a very flowing style and Sometimes you have to stop and think, what is he saying here? But um, you know, you read it a couple of times and you can understand. He's very thankful for these believers. Beginning in verse three, pu- Paul publicly praises God. He gives thanks to God for the folks at the church in Colossae. Now, question for you: Had Paul ever been to Colossae? Had he ever been to the uh, Colossian church? None of you were there. No, it's yeah. <laughs> good. All right, so from my understanding and what I've read, Paul had never made it to the Colossian church. Paul, had, Paul knows uh, Epaphras and you know he speaks to him and he mentions him a little bit, but commentators have said that this was a smaller church that Paul had never even visited, uh, but their corner of the woods was dealing with the same or similar false teaching and false doctrines that everybody else in the area was dealing with. So just because they were a little, you know, smaller church in an area, uh, you know, writers have said that the area was at one point very uh, wealthy with textiles and, you know, working with fabrics. But as that industry faded away, so too did Colossi. And we see that a lot in our current day. You know, if you if I were to say Cahose, Troy, uh, even Lansingburg, you think of the mills and everything that was there at one point. Fast forward 100 years and eventually that industry has gone away. So. What remains is a, a small group of people, a church in Colossae, and they're struggling with different issues there. Paul, in this letter to Colossae, is writing them, and he's telling them, you know, I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but he's telling them to stay strong, to stand strong, to walk worthy of the Lord, and to focus on the gospel truth. He's telling them to, you know, avoid this other stuff that kind of comes in. And very similar to today, uh, there's a lot of people out there that maybe sound really good. They might be, you know, interesting to listen to, but their doctrine may not be right. Uh, Pastor Prime, they bought the RV, and, you know, it looks like a brand new RV, but it's it's an older one, so I was, I was teasing him a little bit. I said, oh, the televangelism ministry must be really taking off, brother, and he's like, ha, 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 so, but, you know, um, uh, it's it's good for them to be able to get away and see their family and and things like that, but Paul here is wanting to be encouraging to them just as everybody else you know even though you're a a small church even though they're you know maybe not very well known to others there's still uh doctrine that they have to be careful that they're not letting in There's still teaching that they have to be careful that they're being on guard for so Paul is encouraging them to stand for the truth by writing a letter to them he refers to them as saints and faithful brethren now most of us, if we are invited over to somebody's house for Christmas or Thanksgiving, we'll be invited over and, you know, they'll say, oh, this is Bob. Has anyone ever referred to you as a saint or, and faithful brethren? That's pretty high praise, isn't it? I wouldn't mind being referred to as, here's, you know, well, St. Peter, I don't know about that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, faithful brethren Peter, you know, that, that is, pretty, is pretty cool. And Paul, having never met these people before, he's encouraging him by the way he's speaking to them. Um, he's saying, you know, he's further uh, further encouraging them by speaking grace and peace to them from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of Paul's letters, he starts out with grace and peace be unto you. And, you know, our vernacular is a little bit different than that. But I, I like to think of it this way. You know, I've been to college and when you're away at college, you're away from everybody. And sometimes you'd get a letter in the mail or a package and, you know, the letter in the mail was always very, very well received. Sometimes it'd be nice to get a letter from somebody, you know, maybe a church member or older family member, and if they put something in there like this, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Imagine getting that letter at just the right time. Maybe it's, you know, going into midterms, maybe it's towards the end of the semester. Maybe the girl that you thought you loved after spending two and a half weeks with her has broken it off, right? You need some encouragement and what better encouragement than getting some scripture, talking about the peace that passes all understanding from somebody that you know has been there and been through so much more than you have, right? It's such a great encouragement. So he talks about the peace of God. He wishes them the peace of God and he wants to be such an encouragement to them. The reminder that the peace of God is present even in the most trying times, right? And you can look around today, you can look around our, our world, whether it's in your own neck of the woods or, you know, uh, nationwide, or even globally. It's so nice to live in such a peaceful time where there's, you know, no evil actors around the world. Is this on? Okay. Right, there's so much terrible going on that it's thank- we're thankful that we have the peace of God available to us. And he says here further, he goes on to thank God for them, even though he's never met them. And that caused me to sort of scratch my head a little bit and say, how can you thank God for someone that you've never even met, right? Well, that's the beauty of Christian fellowship. You know, I've, I've shared this before, I know, but about a month ago, I was out of town on a Wednesday night, I was out in Buffalo, and I Googled Baptist Church near me, and I found 10 of them, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool, they have churches out here, you know, who would have thunk it? And I found a church, it was Believers Baptist Church, and it was similar you know, in size to our church. And I just went and I pulled up and I walked in the door and you know, I was greeted by people. They were nice, they were friendly. And one uh, uh, gentleman said, are you born again? I, I was gonna play with him at first, but I said, yes, sir, I am. You know, I was gonna say, what does that mean? But I ended up staying there. We had service, um, it was a, a great time. And I left when they turned the lights off and said, you have to leave now. You know. But the fellowship was tremendous. I had never met these people in my life, but what did we have in common? We had in common our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And it's so nice to be able to have that in, com- in common. The fellowship of Christians surpasses language, it surpasses location, it surpasses so many different things and it's important that we remember that. Um, the Bible says here in verse number five, you know, why should we be thankful for fellowship and why is it so important? Well, as verse five reminds us, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, right? That is what is central to a Christian in the United States, a Christian in the, you know, the southernmost part of Africa, right? The hope that is laid before us in heaven. That's what when we, when we were praying, you know, before I began the message this morning, I was praying for any that are here or maybe watching us uh, over the internet, that if you're not saved, you don't have that hope, right? And that's what we wanna convey, that's what we wanna share with you, is the hope of salvation available through Jesus Christ. Asking God the Father, or asking Jesus rather, to forgive our sins, repenting of your sins, and trusting that he alone can forgive your sin. That is the hope that we all look forward to, no matter where we call our temporary home. If we are isolated, we can begin to feel discouraged. Think of solitary confinement. Why is solitary confinement so uh, successful sometimes? because it can really break you down. You don't have anybody to talk to. You don't have anybody to encourage you. You know, where Ecclesiastes talks about the threefold cord not being easily broken, if you're one cord, snip, there you go, right? So it's very important that we have Christian fellowship, not just fellowship, but godly, good Christian fellowship. Uh, Fellowshipping with other believers should help us and challenge us to keep our proper perspective not on the evil of this world, that's the easy part. You can pull up any news station and something bad is happening any time in the world, right? But as Christians, we are to keep our, our uh, perspective proper. Um, you know, We should look at our home that's in heaven based upon the truth of the gospel. I have bolded here, fellowship is as important if not more so than food. And that's coming from me, so that's, that's pretty good, right? Fellowship is as important if not more so than food. Do not go hungry, okay? Do not go hungry, nobody goes hungry with food, but do you go hungry with fellowship, right? Look for ways to fellowship with uh, your Christian friends. And, you know, this isn't a thing to say, oh, you have to be here every time the door is open, but look for ways to fellowship. Maybe call somebody that you know and say, hey, would you like to go get a cup of coffee, right? Um, I didn't do it this morning, but it is on my radar. I would like to do one of those little icebreakers in Sunday school. To get people to fellowship maybe find something out about somebody else that you didn't know and as a way to encourage and grow the fellowship we have here at lighthouse fellowship is as important if not more so than food do not go hungry most of us do not miss out on meals nor should we miss out on christian fellowship our faith in christ hope in heaven and love of the saints brings forth fruit so you hear it and say that all the time faith hope and love well here it is right in this passage our faith in christ our hope in heaven, and our love of the saints, those three together bring forth fruit. Uh, faith, hope, and love equals fruit. We could have a little bumper sticker that would say that. Faith, hope, and love equals fruit. Without fellowship, your faith, hope, and love may diminish and cause less fruit. Be thankful for fellowship. Fellowship quite literally feeds fruitfulness. You think about when we get together and do the scripture collation downstairs. How fruitful is that? pretty fruitful, right? We have between 4,000 and 7 or 8,000 John and Romans that go out. Is there fellowship involved? Yes. Is there food involved? Absolutely, all right? Those three fit together like a glove. So number one, be thankful to God for fellowship. Number two is to be thankful to God for filling us, all right? So what time did you have your Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday? What time? Two o'clock, all right? We had ours at two o'clock also. Was anybody feeling unfilled at around 1.45? Was anybody feeling unfilled at 2 o'clock sharp? How about 2.15? Anybody? No, we were all filled by 2.15, and probably 3.15, 4.15, 5.15, all the way on, right? Well, for this, let's look at verses 7 uh, through 12. The Bible says, As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful, there's the word again, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. So some of the words we just heard. We just heard, you know, the uh, Epaphras fellow servant, faithful minister, walking worthy of the Lord, and being filled. Let's take a trip back just for a moment to our Thanksgiving table. The turkey is in front of us. You have your potatoes. You have gravy. You have corn, stuffing, mashed potatoes. What am I forgetting? What? There's a reason for that. No, just kidding. Uh, So you have a full spread in front of you, this full, wonderful looking table, everything's steaming hot, the kids are hoping that whoever asks the blessing keeps it short, and everybody just wants to dig in and get a bite to eat, right? Well, let's see what happens. In other words, everyone at the table is ready to eat, they have prepared themselves to eat, they have had a conversation with their body to prepare their body for this large meal that's about to come at them, and there's nothing that's going to stop them from eating, from being ready to eat this large meal, there is, therefore nothing, there is therefore now nothing that will distract delay, or prevent them from being filled with food, right? Do we have that same level of preparation for being filled with the word of God, right? We go to Thanksgiving, we're hungry. You know, if somebody dares to get in our way, we might be discouraged, we might be thinking, let's push them out of the way. But then we remember the message on kindness from a couple weeks ago and we say, oh, you can go ahead and have my seat. I won't ask for how many examples of that happened, I don't wanna be disappointed, right? But think about it, we prepare ourselves for a great meal, we prepare ourselves and say, oh, this is gonna be so great, I'm gonna get my stomach full, I can go sit on the couch and it'll be a wonderful experience. But do we do the same for being filled with things of God? Do we prepare ourselves, do we strengthen ourselves for that? You know, some people that eat professionally, not me, Uh, They they practice and I don't really want to get into the details of how they prepare to eat 60 or 70 hot dogs at once But it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of practice Well, it takes a lot of effort work and practice to also prepare yourself to receive a large Spiritual meal too and that's something we have to be prepared for so we can do that and get a lot out of it everyone is ready to be filled in the church of Colossae Epaphras was a faithful minister Now it doesn't say he was their pastor, and the word is deconus, it's deacon, it's servant. So he might've just been a very faithful man of God. He might've been the pastor that they had, but he he was referred to as a faithful minister who spent his time teaching the congregation. The Bible says they learned of him. Paul says Epaphras told how much the Colossians in the church loved the brethren and by extension, the Lord. And because of this, Paul said he prayed continuously That they would be filled. Not with turkey, not with all the fixings, but with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and understanding. Knowing that someone is praying for you, that just makes a huge, huge difference. My mom says she prays for me all the time, and that really makes that means a lot to me, you know. When I was at college struggling through Greek, I said, Mom, I need more, I need more prayer, mom, you know. And it just makes a world of difference knowing that somebody is praying for you. I mentioned this in Sunday School where you know the devil was looking to sift Peter, looking to destroy Peter. The devil knew if he could destroy Peter, he could likely take out a number of other disciples with him. But what does Jesus say? Jesus said, I prayed for you. Imagine the Son of God praying for us by name, right? It's pretty incredible. Here, Paul is praying for them, again, that they would be filled with the the spirit filled with the wisdom and understanding that he knew that they would need. How do we stay strong when we're isolated? Well, think about this. How do you stay warm when you're outside and it's cold outside? What do you do? And going back inside is not an answer, sorry. What do you do? You prepare yourself. You put on lots of layers. You prepare yourself mentally. You go out there and you say, I know it's gonna be cold. Uh, It's gonna be freezing cold. And I'm going to put lots of layers on. I'm going to remember that trip I had to Barbados last summer. It was nice and warm. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do mentally to prepare for it to get myself through this. And it's very similar for spiritual battles. We have to prepare ourselves and say, yeah, I'm going back to work tomorrow. And it's not a very godly environment. So what can I do? Well, I can bring with me some scripture. I can bring with me some spiritual songs. Uh, Think of those in my mind. And I can prepare myself in advance. I can be filled like Paul is saying here. And Epaphras may have had it easier in some other congregations in that the believers there were hungry for the word. There was no need to force feed them. They wanted to be filled. Now, if you've ever been around young children, sometimes they're not always willing to eat, right? They're hungry. You know they're hungry. You also know that you want them to eat now instead of at one in the morning. So what do you have to do? you have to try to motivate them to eat sometimes. You know, you might try the little airplane thing, but the airplane crashes and that doesn't work. So what do you do? You try to find a way to get them to eat of their own. And Epaphras, as a faithful minister, he may have had to do that with some people. He may have had to try to w- find a way to work with them to where they could become spiritually self-sustaining, where they could eat and have a desire to eat on their own. It's sad, I was speaking with somebody um, about a week ago. And they were talking about a relative that had dementia. And as part of that disease, you lose your abilities and desires. And once they lose their desire to eat, there's not much time to have left because you can only be sustained for so long when you don't eat. And that's the same thing that applies spiritual here. And Epaphras was thankful for his people. Paul was very thankful and he was praying for them that they would never get to that point, that they would always be in a spot where they were hungry to learn and they were willing to know the knowledge of God's will. Here Paul emphasized the importance of being filled with the knowledge of God. Being filled with the knowledge of God isn't to walk around and just spout things off. You know, Some people like to work out and they go work out and they, just, they do it just for show so they can have beach muscles. You walk down the beach and you're, you know, yeah, look at me, I'm great, right? Other people work out because they have a specific purpose. A fireman has to work out because he has to carry a hose, he has to you know, run up a thousand flights of stairs, whatever it is. Different people have to work out because they need it for their jobs. And Christians have to work out because we need to be prepared for what we're going to face. It's a spiritual battle outside. You may not see you know, weapons, but the weapons we fight against are not you know, present, they're spiritual, right? Bible talks about that as well. But here he emphasizes the importance of being filled with the knowledge of God, God's will, through all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And what they were to do with this wisdom and understanding. Verse 10 answers that by saying, walk worthy of the Lord. We're given understanding, we're given wisdom with the purpose of knowing what to do with it. So we can walk worthy of the Lord. Now, as on your drive in here today, if you go down a highway or even some of the back roads, you might see a nice little rectangular sign and I think it has a black border on it and it has some black numbers on it. And you know what those are called? Anybody? Yes, thank you, Joe. Joe is my attorney and he's available to you at a low cost. Those are called speed limit, they're signs, right? They're signs there posted so that we, allegedly, can be without excuse, okay? So if we see the lights in our mirror and oh, they must be for somebody else, no, they're for me. And I pull over and they say, don't you know what the speed limit was? And if the sign is right there next to my car, I really don't have much of an excuse. Those signs are there to guide us, to give us understanding, so we can keep the speed limit, right? We're given the same level of understanding and the ability to be spiritually filled so that we can understand God's will and we can walk worthy of the Lord. And that's our job as Christians. Our very name is to be Christ followers, to walk worthy of the Lord. Now raise your hand if you've had a successful week walking worthy of the Lord every minute of the day. I'll wait. And this hand's not going up either, okay? So it's a challenge that we face, and it's a challenge that we have to continue to work on from the moment of our salvation until our very last breath. It doesn't get easier, but it can, we can have better understanding once we're filled and once we're walking worthy of the Lord, they wanted to be filled, and we too should want to be filled. If we do not want to be filled, it will be near impossible to please God. Be fruitful or incre- be, be fruitful or increase our knowledge. And if we are not filled, we will lack the strength and the might needed to endure patience and long-suffering with joy, as verse 11 states. Now sometimes he might get some wisdom and knowledge and say, this is really cool, you know? And then you start thinking, well, how am I going to use this? And in a similar issue, a week and a half ago, I was given a coat at work, and it has a nice liner inside. It's, a, it's like a two-part coat, so it'll keep you really warm if you have to go work outside. And then I checked the schedule, and the schedule had us working outside for Monday and Tuesday. Oh, I got this coat just in time. They intend to send me outside to work in the cold, It's supposed to be 25 degrees out. Great, right? Well, that worked out well. I got my coat, I got my hat just in time, and I had to find my own gloves, but I I did, you know, did that, made, made that work. But I got what I needed just before I was sent into the area for which I would need them. The same thing happens a lot with the Bible. We're given the spiritual wisdom, we're given the understanding we need, and we may not know, well, why are we given this? And then, shortly after, the opportunity arises, and you say, That makes sense now you know that makes sense I I saw this verse when I was studying my Bible and hey that sounds like a really good verse and then you know at Walmart checking out I ran into somebody that I knew and they said they had this problem and the Holy Spirit put that verse right in my head and I was able to use it so that's how we use the godly wisdom that's why we we should be pursuing it and staying full if we're empty we can't give anybody anything there's a lot of problems right now with dams around the country Some of them are being taken down because they haven't been profitable. They haven't had enough water to turn the turbines to get the amount of electricity that they should have been producing. So if something isn't producing, they say, hey, we don't need that anymore, let's get rid of it. So Christians, let's stay full, let's stay spiritually full so we can be producers and we can be valuable in the work that the Lord has given to us. So remember the old saying, an army marches on its stomach. how how full, I'm sorry, how full are you and are you thankful for the epaphras God has placed in your life? You know, if you have somebody that is willing to pour into you, and I'm not talking about even a pastor, I'm talking about Christian friends or somebody in your life. If you have somebody that's willing to pour into you, that's willing to pray with you, that's willing to encourage you, you should be very grateful to God. And once you're able to, you should continue that to other people because there's nothing more encouraging than someone who sees you and wants to pour into you so you can be spiritually full and spiritually prepared. Be thankful for the epaphrases that God has placed in your life. So moving on, number one, be thankful to God for fellowship. Number two, be thankful to God for filling us. And number three, give thanks to God for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take a look at verses uh, 12 through 14 giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, uh, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, it's pretty straightforward. We should be incredibly thankful for the position we have in Christ, for the forgiveness that only he can offer. I can forgive somebody for something You know, Jim can forgive somebody for something. Uh, Chuck, maybe, maybe, depending on the day, right? Chuck can forgive somebody for something, right? We all can forgive people, but it only has the level, the depth that Christ has. He's the only one that can do that, forgive it um, to where it doesn't have the the teeth or the, the significance that it had previously. And we see here, Paul says, he made us meet to be partakers. When you see that word meet, think of help meet, right? Eve was specifically made to help Adam, to fill the areas that he needed to make you know, the two of them working together something wonderful. The Lord has made us meet, you know, fitting. He made us just what we needed, gave us just what we needed to where we could be usable and we could be acceptable, right? You look at, we have a couple of cats. One of them was a feral cat and he needed a little bit more love and direction when he came into the house. He still tries to eat plants and and do what he wants, but we had to try to help him out a little bit more. We're still working on him to make him meet or acceptable to live in the surroundings that we've brought him into. We see here a beautiful thing. When Paul says, made us meet to be partakers, the idea is we have been equipped and we are now able to do uh, what he has called us to do. We have been given the gift of salvation, an inheritance that cannot be earned. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation, it's a free gift. You can't earn a gift. If you could earn a gift, it would no longer be a gift. We see you know, think of it this way, there's an orphanage with 100 children and this this wealthy this king comes through and says to the children, I will adopt all of you. I will take you and you can eat at the king's table. And they look at the bowl of of whatever it is that they're eating because it's pretty terrible, and they think, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Do you think all 100 of those children would want to be adopted? and go and eat at the king's table. Logically, yeah, every, every, every one of them, every last one would wanna go. But in practice, does everyone that has the opportunity to eat at the king's table, do they take the king up on that offer? No, some do and some don't. And the ones that do are, are just aghast. Why have you not accepted this free gift yet? Why have you not taken the king up on the offer that he offered to us? And there's no good answer stubbornness blindness guilt there's whatever right but the opportunity is there for each one of us to be adopted to be brought in to the kingdom of god many accept but many also reject the offer do not reject the offer to be a child of the king and if you are a child of the king live up to the name and walk worthy of the lord and i say this as a challenge to you but you know looking directly back at myself it's not easy to do and there, there will be people that will remind you of your shortcomings. And sometimes they look like children, right? But they remind you of your shortcomings, and that's when you have to say you're right, and you apologize. And it helps you to be humble, and that's what God wants us to do. Walking worthy of the Lord also includes humility and includes the ability to say when you're wrong. So verse 13 here speaks of delivering us from the power of darkness and being translated into Christ's kingdom. The idea here is being rescued by a sovereign power, but not just rescued, relocated and brought to your new home, from an orphanage to the palace. Uh, was it about a year ago when Afghanistan was being, uh, well, when our forces were being removed from Afghanistan, the last remaining holdout was Bagram Air Base, right? And a lot of people that were helping the United States Armed Forces, they were trying to get to Bagram Air Base. They weren't getting, trying to get there so they could stay there permanently, they were trying to get there because they knew that was their only way to freedom, right? And some of them were able to make it, other ones were not able to make it. Many of these nationals made their way to the air base, um, but it wasn't enough to just stay there. They would soon be abandoned. These nationals would only be delivered from darkness until, they wouldn't be delivered from darkness until after they had left their old country and arrived at their new permanent home. Now that's where the metaphor ends. The United States, I love this country, but this is a very sinful country too, right? So the point is, when we are saved, we are brought from the old world into the new. We are given a new destination, we are given a new home. The idea of being translated was that when one empire conquered another, the custom was to take the population of the defeated empire and transfer it completely to the conqueror's land. It is in this sense that Paul says we have been translated into God's kingdom everything we have everything we are now belongs to him the dirt has been wiped off our shoes there is nothing holding us back to our old nature everything we have is christ we should serve him we should walk worthy of him verse 14 is a very special verse as it reiterates just how we came to be in our new home as adopted and forgiven the bible says in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins now let me ask you a question would it, be, would it be enough if we had redemption? If Jesus said, you know what, you're redeemed, you're, you're good to go, that'd be pretty, pretty great. But the fact that he has forgiven our sins on top of that is just icing on the cake. You see, it was the sinless blood of Jesus being shed on the cross that we have been redeemed and forgiven of our sins. In our minds, it may be enough to be redeemed, but having our sins forgiven is an incredible, incredible blessing. You know, some religions preach, oh, if you're if you're good enough the rest of your life, you can earn your way, and, well, again, a gift cannot be earned, an inheritance cannot be earned. It's something you get because you're part of the family. And you get to be part of the family by asking Christ to be your savior. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But let's take a moment and think about what sin is. You know, there's there are people out there that think, oh, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person, you know. God didn't have to do much when he saved me. And they would be wrong, right? They would also understand or misunderstand what sin is, what our fallen nature really represents. The Bible says sin is to miss a mark. Sin, it's a general term for anything that falls short of the glory of God. It's doing something against God or against a person, doing the opposite of what is right, doing something that will have negative results, and or uh, failing to do something you know is right. The Old Testament shows us that God even instituted sacrifices for unintentional sins. So there's bad things that you do and you don't even know you're doing, right? Those are some unintentional sins. Now sin is derived from a sin nature present in every human. So the reason I'm saying this is to show you how bad sin is. And by showing you how bad sin is, I'm showing you how great of of a God we serve who has forgiven us for all this. Uh, the apostle paul alluded to his propensity to sin when he wrote for i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good i find not our sin nature leads us to another form of sin called a trespass a trespass is someone who crosses a line climbs a fence or does something that he knows he should not do it also means to fall away after being close beside Peter trespassed when he denied Christ three times. Um, we all cross a line in thought, word, or attitude many times a day and should be quick to, do for, to forgive others who do the same. After trespass is transgression, which refers to presumptuous sin or choosing to intentionally sin. See, we're not talking about what the world calls little white lies. We're talking about sin that gets worse and worse and worse and worse. The bad news is that we do it. The good news is... God forgives us for all types of sin. Uh, Transgression is something we willfully do. Samson intentionally broke his Nazarite vow by touching a dead lion and allowing his hair to be cut. When we knowingly run a stop sign, tell a lie, or blatantly disregard an authority, we are transgressing. And perhaps the worst is iniquity. We see here uh, further along iniquity, which refers to a premeditated choice. This isn't a you're driving down the street and somebody is wearing something or not much at all. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have seen that. This is a premeditated choice where you know something is wrong. And you say, you know, I know this is wrong. I've heard this is wrong. I've read in the Bible that it's wrong, but I choose to do it anyway. That's iniquity. And we see what happens. Uh, They continue without repentance. David's sin with Bathsheba uh, that led to the killing of her husband Uriah was iniquity. In David's psalm of repentance, he cries out to God saying, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. If, if left unchecked, our sin nature begins with sin, perhaps innocently or unintentionally missing the mark, it goes to trespass, transgression, iniquity, and ultimately can end up with a reprobate mind spoken of in Romans 1:24. So when the Bible says that Jesus has forgiven us of our sin, we should be exceedingly thankful, even the forgiveness of sins, to the extent that he can forgive us for anything we have done. So shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Meganoids, it's the strongest way of saying, don't continue in sin. So what do we do? Well, we look at what Paul has told us. We look at it and say, God, help us to be filled with your word. Help us to be filled with the spirit that will help us to make the right choices and decisions if we're filled with the Spirit, we're a lot less likely to sin, a lot less likely to have to ask for forgiveness for all these things. But back to verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins stated here covers all of the sin types listed above. This is the level of forgiveness being offered in the height of depravity from which we are redeemed. Our only response should be to humbly thank God for his love toward us and for his forgiveness of sins. And this leads me to the Conclusion of today's message. You know, first and foremost, this is a Baptist church and we preach salvation by grace through faith, right? So if there is somebody here or under the sound of my voice that hasn't been saved, today is the day. There's no reason to not get saved today. Life is a vapor and these are all, you know, verses. We don't know, we're not guaranteed another day. Ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins today. If you have questions about it, you can talk to myself, talk to any one of the adults here. We'd be more than happy to help share with you, you know, anything that you need to know to get you saved. That's first and uh, most, uh, most important for us. If you listen to the message today, you know, you know that heaven is real, hell is real, and there's a sin debt, of sin, or there's debt of sin that has to be paid. Christ has paid it, uh, paid for it for us, but only if you ask him to receive it, to receive the free gift of salvation. For those who are saved, I'll ask our three points of thankfulness as questions to each of you. Number one, are you thankful for the Christian fellowship that God puts in your reach? Do you take advantage of it? Do you take it when it's available? If I brought each of you to a buffet and didn't tell anybody about the results, you'd probably want to get as much as you can, right? Because you like food. Oh, they have dessert. They have, you know, tiramisu, whatever you like. Do we do that with Christian fellowship? Do we take advantage of it and do we actively pursue it as often as we can? Number two, do you thank God for filling you with scripture and messages from God's word so you can walk worthy of the Lord, right? He doesn't have to do that, but he wants us to be equipped so we can be ready when the opportunity arises. And number three, have you thanked God recently for redeeming you even the forgiveness of sin? There's so many things to be thankful for this time of year. For me, the most important is for forgiveness of sin, right? Because... Other things are great, but when you start to think about, as um, you know, the Matthew, book of Matthew says, when you see yourself in you know comparison to a holy God, when you're poor in spirit, you have no other response than to say, "Thank you, Lord." Right? And if that's the lesson that we walk away with today, to be thankful that God has forgiven the sin of His lowly creation, then I think I've done my job. Right? So think about these three things. Be thankful and be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with Scripture so that you too can walk worthy of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We uh, pray again that if there is anyone that hasn't been saved yet here or uh, listening uh, via other means, pray that you would continue to work in their hearts even past the time of this service being done and that they they would come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior by repenting, by asking for your forgiveness and trusting in your finished work on the cross. Father, for those here that are saved, I pray that you would uh, allow this message to find home and allow this message to be an encouragement to do the things that we know we should do, to be filled with your word, to look for fellowship, look for Christian fellowship. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org the gospel.